Good evening, it is 5 p.m. and you're listening to Today in YGK on CFRC 101.9 FM. Brought to you by CFRC's News Collective. Christina Laurie, Dinah Jansen, Chancellor Miracle, Lauren Tucker, and Jesse Bell. I'm Christina Laurie and here are your local news headlines. The KFLNA Community Drug Strategy Advisory Committee has launched an electronic survey on decriminalization. The Kingston Frontenac and Lennox and Addington KFLNA Community Drug Strategy Advisory Committee CDSAC, is exploring decriminalization of illicit substances for personal use by conducting local community consultations. Community members are asked to complete an online survey and share their thoughts on decriminalization. The CDSAC has also been hosting focus groups throughout Kingston connecting specifically with some of those who are most affected by the drug poisoning crisis. Here's what Sarah Tryon, KFLNA's public health promoter, had to say about the survey. So um, a part of the community drug strategy priorities is to look at decriminalization. Now, decriminalization is an evidence-based policy that has been in practice for quite a long time in a number of countries, um, as well as some states have now taken on decriminalization. So decriminalization is um, regarding the law around personal possession. So it's not the same as legalization, and it would mean that um, somebody that has uh, a substance on them, so um, whether it be methamphetamine or an opioid, um, you know, cocaine, that they wouldn't be charged. It also wouldn't be taken from them. Uh, But it's not the same as what we saw with cannabis when it was legalized and is now regulated and sold um, in stores. So we've um, looked at this policy and we want to really investigate it in our community. And together we decided a community consultation would be a great first approach to find out what our community members um, are thinking and feeling, what their concerns are, what their perceived harms are around decriminalization in our community. Um, So we've launched this opportunity to hear from our community members through the survey, as well as some of those harder to reach community members, um, particularly those with lived experience um, with substance use, uh, mental health uh, problems, as well as homelessness. And we are uh, connecting with them directly through focus groups. Would you be able to share how folks can participate in that survey? Yeah, absolutely. So um, you can visit our uh, our website uh, on the KFLNA Drug Strategy um, CA. We have a link to our survey, um, and uh, you're able to uh, fill that out. Um, also, we have already performed our uh, focus group, but um, we're anticipating some future opportunities for consultation. Just this phase, the project would be um, filling out that survey and uh, sharing it. Uh, with any, you know, neighbors in our area that uh, would like to to provide their feedback. We we really want to get the best uh, idea of how everyone's feeling on this topic. And responses for that survey are due on May 15th, is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Sarah also mentioned a few other ways folks can get involved with the CDSAC and their initiatives. Um, You can always visit the KFLNA Drug Strategy uh, webpage. We've got um, lots of information on there regarding uh, some of the issues that uh, people with uh, substance use um, experience face. And um, you can kind of keep on top of some of the strategies that we're moving forward, as well as if anybody's ever interested in participating on our community drug strategy um, at the table to discuss things, or if there's um, opportunities for uh, volunteer work or participation in these um, consultations, whether it's on decriminalization 
or another topic that we may um, discuss in the future. Uh, all that information can be found there. As well as you can follow us on our social media, um, on Facebook, as well as on Twitter. The feedback received from the community will help inform next steps in responding to the drug poisoning crisis and may inform a Health Canada application to decriminalize personal possession of unregulated substances in the KFLNA region. Be sure to participate in the anonymous survey by Monday, May 15, 2023. You can take the survey by going to kfladrugstrategy.ca and under initiatives you'll find decriminalization in KFLNA. At the top of this page will be the link. You can also find the link on our podcast network in the description of this episode of Today in YGK. That is Today in YGK, May 10th, 2023. More information about decriminalization of drugs can be found on the KFLNA Community Drug Strategy website or by emailing kfladrugstrategy at gmail.com. Stay up to date on decriminalization initiatives by following KFLNA CDSAC on Facebook and Twitter. Kingston Area Newborn Wellness Clinic Partnership to provide care to babies without primary health care provider. As partners in the Frontenac Linux and Addington, Ontario Health Team, Queen School of Nursing, Kingston Community Health Centers and KFLNA Public Health are opening a newborn and early childhood clinic to provide well baby health care to infants who do not have a primary health care provider. The Partnership for Well Baby Care Clinic will offer interprofessional educational experiences for undergraduate nursing, nurse practitioner, medical students, and postgraduate medical trainees in family medicine and pediatrics. Newborn infants and their parents or caregivers in the Kingston area who are unattached to a primary care provider will be referred to this clinic. It will operate two and a half days per week, staffed by three primary care nurse practitioners from the School of Nursing and supported by nursing from KFLNA Public Health. The focus of the clinic is in providing wellness care, monitoring growth and development, milestone screening, and delivering immunizations critical to early childhood health. If a child needs specialized care, the nurse practitioner will make a referral to a pediatrician or other specialist. Acute care will continue through the Children's Outpatient Clinic at Hotel Deard Hospital and local emergency departments. KCHC and KFLNA Public Health are providing administrative and immunization support and clinical space at 221 Portsmouth Avenue. The Queen's Chair in Pediatric Education and Research and Department of Pediatrics has also provided $50,000 in startup funding to support this clinic. It is estimated that 20 babies a month are born in Kingston area who are not attached to a primary care provider. This initiative also benefits the larger healthcare system by providing essential wellness care to infants and young children, resulting in fewer visits to COPC and emergency departments. That's all for your headlines this week, and next up is our Arts Desk with Lauren Tucker. It's Christina. Kicking off the top of the Arts Desk this week is a rundown of just some of the live music to look forward to in Kingston and surrounding area. On May 10th at 7pm, Toronto singer-songwriter Doug Paisley will be playing a show at the Grad Club. Tickets are on sale now through the listing on kingstonlive.ca. On May 11th, you can take your pick of many awesome shows, including Skeleton Park Radio, who will be playing a no-cover 8pm show at the Caesar Company, and Canadian indie pop duo Universal Honey, who will be playing an 8pm show at Blue Martini, and tickets are only $10 at the door. Friday the 12th, local hard rock group The Pinkertons will be playing a no-cover 9pm show at the Royal Tavern 2.0. Also on Friday the 12th, Toronto trio Ace of Wands will be playing live at Hotel Wolf Island, featuring special guest Annalise Nerona, a 7pm start with no tickets or cover charge. 
Also rocking Hotel Wolf Island the very next night on May 13th is Dream Pop Surf Rock Artists Pearl and the Oysters, featuring local support from Good Fortune. Again, be there for the 7pm start with no cover charge. Also on May 13th, Hard Rock Act Villavant will be playing The Mansion with guests Melancholy Caravan and Day of Thieves. Tickets are $15 in advance and $20 at the door. Lastly, on May 14th at the Isabel, Juno-nominated Canadian artist Jill Barber will be playing a 7.30pm show. Be sure to visit kingstonlive.ca for ticket links and details on these and many more awesome live music events hitting Kingston this week. The Bader and Overton Canadian Piano Competition began running today at the Isabel Bader Centre and will continue until Saturday the 13th. Top young Canadian pianists will be performing in order to place for a number of honours, including a top prize of $20,000, a future engagement to perform a concerto with the Kingston Symphony and an engagement to perform a recital at the Isabel. CFRC sat down with the interim director of the Isabel Bader Center for the Performing Arts, Gordon E. Smith, to chat about the event. Take a listen. We have Gordon E. Smith, interim director of the Isabel Bader Center on the line here. Gordon, welcome to CFRC. Thank you so much for being here. Well, thanks for having me and I'm happy to be so happy to have you here as well. So we're here today to talk specifically about the Bader and Overton Canadian Piano Competition, a special event running now at the Isabel. As I understand it, this event is already bringing together these top young Canadian pianists. They're already entering this week as semi-finalists. Can you talk to us a little bit more about that, about what exactly the road to this competition looks like, who these musicians are, and how we end up with this roster? Sure. Sure. I, I just give you a little bit of comp- uh, uh, background on the competition itself. This is the third competition of this kind that we've had at the Isabel. The first one was in 2017, the violin competition. Second one was in 2020, a cello competition. It was a virtual competition because of the pandemic shutdowns. And then here we are three years later in 2023 with the piano competition. So the idea here is to have such a competition every three or so years. So the road to uh, that brought these six semifinalists here uh, began uh, last summer uh, when there was a call and announcement of the competition, the Bader Overton Piano Competition at the Isabel that went out nationally and internationally with the requirements for the competition was basically um, the, the first round, the preliminary round, we call it, which is a typical sort of model for this kind of a, of a musical competition, is for applicants to submit. Uh, we had uh, video recordings of a collection of uh, pieces, a set of repertoire that uh, they submitted by uh, the beginning of December, if I recall correctly. Then we had a preliminary jury, um, or a jury rather, to uh, evaluate the preliminary round, I should, should say. Uh, and that jury picked six semi-finalists, and there was a pool of, I would say, nearly 40 uh, applications, which we were really pleased about, really good quality. So the six people, the six competitors who are here this week were the six that that jury uh, selected. They're from all across Canada. A couple of them are studying, actually, at U.S. schools. Um, their ages range from 19 to 29. That was the was 18 to 29, the uh, age frame of the competition itself. So we have a, um, a full range uh, in, in the six. Um, three of them, uh, they practiced, they got here on Monday to, to Kingston. Um, they practiced at the Isabel uh, all day yesterday. Uh, the first three played this afternoon. Uh, 
and the second three play tomorrow afternoon, after which the jury will select three, the three finalists from those six semi-finalists, and the three finalists will play um, for the prizes on Saturday afternoon. That sounds amazing. That sounds like they've had a bit of a a lot of hard work and a bit of a road to get here. So I'm sure we can look forward to some really amazing performances. So you had 40, approximately 40 applicants. That's really um, impressive. So you didn't find at all that it was difficult to get the word out post pandemic to bring these folks back for a live, a live um, engagement? No, not at all. I, w- I would sort of turn that around and say it was actually a lot of uh, enthusiasm, I think, for uh, for this kind of a competition, the opportunity to play live. Everybody in the, in the uh, performing arts, we were really hit hard as a sector uh, with the shutdowns, as, as I'm sure you know and your listeners can appreciate. So here was an opportunity for young and emerging artists to, um, to play in a live setting. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense that a lot of these um, young performers would be really excited to get back to that live performance after a lot of time without. And kind of speaking of live performance and the Isabel, the Isabel hosts a multitude of performing arts events all throughout the year. And like many of them, this event is free and open to the public in person and in the digital concert hall. Specifically, I was wondering, what do you feel is the role the Isabel can play in making especially classical and instrumental music accessible and open for community engagement. Well, this is this is a great example of doing just that. Uh, the uh, this is all free, open to the public. We even have free parking all week uh, at the Isabel. No charge for that either, which is sometimes a deterrent for bringing people here. We've publicized it really, uh, really broadly. The power of social media in. Uh, in announcing the uh, uh, competition, making it known um, that the sector of performers that we're looking at are obviously, I mean, obviously your listeners too, very uh, social uh, media savvy. And uh, this has been a real, really important tool in terms of generating momentum. Uh, It is a great uh, community engagement uh, offering on the part of of the Isabel, and I would also offer the uh, the university. Absolutely. Yeah, that's so interesting that you talk about the kind of social media engagement and seeing that momentum build through that medium and kind of inviting folks in from that medium that might not otherwise think to access something that they would actually really love to um, spectate for, be in the audience for. Um, It is so great to speak with you here and just kind of ending on an open note. What is the invitation that you would extend to listeners? to stop by in person or digitally to this competition. See, uh, you're going to hear some absolutely wonderful piano playing. Uh, Repertoire, all kinds of repertoires are classical, historical, and more contemporary. They're they're, they're playing different kinds of styles. Um, And just amazing, like technically, musically, um, the performance. And you don't have to come. You can come and hear one and then leave and come back the next day and hear another one. You can watch it from wherever you are. Um, It's on the digital concert hall. It's being live streamed. Um, The live stream will also be up for a month. So if you miss your way this week and you can't uh, um, attend at all, uh, 
you have that opportunity to visit the uh, Isabel Digital Concert Hall and listen to these six performances. And then the final performances on Saturday of the three, they will be playing different um, uh, repertoire again, but those will, those will also be live streamed. That sounds perfect, especially knowing now that in case there is a time conflict for you as a listener, you can still enjoy these performances here. Very exciting stuff. So thank you so much, Gordon. We are wishing the whole team at the Isabel and all of the performers the very best of luck this week. Thanks, Lauren. We appreciate it. Hope to see you here. Thank you so much. All performances are free and open to the public. Doors are at noon and now on the 11th and 13th. They can be watched either in person or live streamed through the Isabel's Digital Concert Hall. Visit queensu.ca slash the Isabel for a full list of semifinalists and performance times and catch the full interview with Interim Director Gordon E. Smith on our podcast feed. This weekend, beginning Thursday, May 11th, and running until Sunday the 14th, Art Party pops up in downtown Kingston. This affordable art pop-up sale is hosted by the Women's Art Festival and Happy Thoughts, and will be showcasing local original art for under $250. Thursday night's opening will run from 6 to 9 p.m. and include live music. For directions, full show hours, and more information, visit womensartfestival.ca slash art party. And in world entertainment news, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame released their list of 2023 inductees last week. This year's inductees are Kate Bush, Sheryl Crow, Missy Elliott, George Michael, Willie Nelson, Rage Against the Machine, The Spinners, DJ Cool Herc, Shaka Khan, Al Cooper, Bernie Toppin, and Don Cornelius. In order to be eligible, nominees are required to have released their first record at least 25 years prior. This is Missy Elliott's first year of eligibility, and she, along with Sheryl Crow, George Michael, and Willie Nelson, were in their first year of nomination. Thanks so much. Now I'll throw it over to Jesse Bell at the sports desk. Thanks, Lauren. This is Jesse Bell on the CFRC Sports Desk, and we're going to kick things off by talking about an interview I conducted on Monday afternoon. I had the opportunity to interview Valerie Tetro from Tennis Canada to discuss the Mental Timeout program. All right, folks. Thank you so much for joining us here on CFRC 101.9 FM. Very exciting little interview coming from the sports desk here. My name is Jesse Bell. You might recognize me as the voice of the Gales, and I am honored today to be joined by Valerie Tetro who is the, well, among many other things, a former world-ranked tennis player, the Tennis Canada Regional Manager and Communications, and uh, for Communications and Media Relations. And Valerie, just thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to come and speak with us. Uh, As our listeners are going to hear, you have a lot on your plate, and I can only imagine how many emails you have to send out and how many of these interviews you have to do. Please don't remind me about that, but no, thank you. It's a pleasure to, to be with you, and thank you for having me. And we also do want to thank Tennis Canada for reaching out to us as well to organize this interview. Uh, It was a pretty cool email to get. And once I saw the actual content of what it is you guys are working on, I know myself, I was extremely excited. So let's just cut straight to the chase. Valerie, can you please tell me about Mental Timeout? Uh, Yeah, so Mental Timeout is something that we launched um, last year. So, you know, we felt like we needed to talk a little bit more and do more for mental health in the the sports. And I I would say that the National Bank Open was probably the 
the best platform to use in order to, to launch an initiative like uh, like Mental Timeout. Uh, it was a great uh, success uh, last year. I can tell you that it was appreciated by uh, the players as well as uh, some of the fans who. Uh, you know, maybe saw some of the activations that we had on site, for example, uh, had the opportunity maybe to do a yoga session with uh, some ATP players, as well as uh, signing the positive court pledge. And uh, I guess so this year we're, we're coming back with uh, the same initiative, but obviously looking to make it uh, even more meaningful, even better. Uh, do more for the players and, uh, and the fans and I think it just uh, talks about obviously the, the commitment as a federation that we want to take towards uh, you know everyone or anyone really involved in the sport. It was really fantastic to see, and what I appreciate is Mental Timeout goes beyond just, and this is kind of a, a tired trope within the field of raising awareness, but you're actually putting in concrete steps to improve the mental well-being of the fans and the participants itself. I saw some of the things you guys were offering included, you know, weighted blankets, meditation sessions, you talked about a yoga session, uh, you also talked about on the website, you know, one-to-one -one access to mental health professionals, and I, I, I've never seen anything like this in any other sport, so you should be commended, you and your team, for or being able to put that together. Uh, I just have a quick question. Have you noticed, obviously, we were talking about some of the positive benefits that you saw on the players' mental health, but do you believe that this improvement in the mental health might have a positive impact on their performance on the court as well? Oh, I think for sure. I mean, uh, obviously, I, you know, as a player, I can tell you that I've said so many times in my life that uh, tennis, you know, is 80% mental and 20% uh, physical, but yet that's not necessarily how usually you, you know, necessarily break down the amount of uh, hours that uh, you put into training. Uh, you will obviously do a lot of, uh, of fitness and a lot of work uh, on court, but I think uh, the more and more that we learn about the the sport and that we evolve, we see top players now having, for example, like a mental coach uh, on uh, on their team. And it was the case, for example, of uh, Iga Shiatek last year when she started doing so well. She was traveling week in, week out with uh, a mental coach and, you know, could talk about the, the difference that that made. And so I think this is something that, you know, we will see more and more. Um, with the players uh, performing on, on tour. And that's why also it starts, you know, with athletes that are maybe starting to, to train and that are, are aiming to, to have a, a professional career uh, to dedicate more time uh, towards, uh, towards mental training. And this is another thing that that's fantastic to me. I was not aware of that. And it goes beyond just necessarily the, for, the field of sports psychology, because sports psychology has been a pretty established uh, factor in athletic performance for quite a while. But it's interesting to see players now taking a much more uh, proactive approach to their own mental health. That is so fantastic to see. And another thing I really liked on the website, which I thought was once again, so novel and so interesting was that notion of uh, fans being able to write positive postcards to the players, which I don't know. I just thought that was such a wonderful idea. And it ties into my next question, which is how can the people listening to this program right now kind of get involved and support what Tennis Canada and Mental Timeout is doing? Well, I, I'm glad that you uh, you like that initiative because that's one uh, that was really fun for us uh, last year on, on site. You know, uh, even like delivering uh, some of those postcards to to the players, and you could tell that uh, it really uh, brightened their days. And 
Um, I mean, I would invite fans, obviously, just like you did, uh, to go and visit the Mental Timeout webpage on our website at tenniscanada.com. Uh, they will be able to read uh, more details and more information on, on the initiative. And I would like to maybe encourage them to, to sign uh, the positive court pledge. Uh, the goal of having that pledge is really, you know, for any, everyone to kind of like take a couple minutes and, and realize that we all have a role to play in creating what is a, a safe and positive environment for, uh, for the players. And so, of course, yes, if you're a fan that will be coming to the National Bank Open, but as well, maybe if you're a fan of tennis uh, that is following uh, the action on uh, social media and, uh, and on TV, because, um, as you know, a lot of the, the bullying that the, sometimes the, the player will experience uh, does happen online. Absolutely. I just think it's such an awesome idea. It's always difficult being the first to implement a new wave of programming like this, but it is so integral. And as someone who, for my job here at the station, I call the football games, I would love to see something similar to what we have with Mental Timeout implemented in other sports across the board, because everything that you as an organization are laying out are things that would benefit not just the athletes, but as you've alluded to as well, you know, benefit the fans, benefit the image of the sport itself. I am just so in awe of uh, what this team has been able to come up with, and I wish you all the very best in the future. And for the listeners at home, when is the National Bank open? It is from August 4th to August 13th uh, in, uh, in Montreal. Uh, it starts with uh, what we call the family weekend, so three days of, uh, of free tennis. And uh, uh, obviously we will be welcoming the best of women's tennis uh, this year, and we're very excited to, uh, to host people. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really encourage everybody listening along at home, go to the website, sign the pledge, and let's see if we can make some positive change in tennis. And then, hey, who knows where that'll take us afterwards. Valerie, thank you so much. I'm going to let you get it back to everything else that you've got on the go, but I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today. Thank you very much, Jesse, and uh, let's talk again later this summer. That would be awesome. All right, signing off. Bye-bye. In the second round of the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs, there were two games on the schedule on Tuesday night, and in both, six ended up being the magic number. In New Jersey, the Carolina Hurricanes shellacked the New Jersey Devils, winning their game by a score of 6-1, aided by a five-goal second period. The Hurricanes hold a 3-1 series lead over the Devils, with the fifth game set to be played on Thursday night. In Seattle, it was the Dallas Stars who scored six to beat the Kraken by a somewhat more respectable score of six to three. That series is tied at two games apiece, and the fifth game will also be played on Thursday night. On Wednesday night, the Toronto Maple Leafs will try and fend off elimination in Florida against the Florida Panthers as they find themselves in a 3-0 series hole. Can the Leafs win their first second-round playoff series since 2004, or will they once again be golfing in the early summer? We're going to end things off by talking about a local news story. Queens quarterback Alex Vreekin has been selected to participate in the CFL QB internship program. He is one of nine quarterbacks from across the country that has received the CFL internship, and Vreekin will be sent to Hamilton to learn underneath two-time most outstanding player Bo Levi Mitchell. Vreekin will be participating in practices, attending team and positional meetings, and getting a chance to learn from this outstanding CFL quarterback. 
We here at CFRC wish Alex all the best. We hope he has a wonderful internship, and we are very much looking forward to seeing what he can do in this upcoming season. If you weren't aware, the Queen season will kick off August 26, 2023. That's it for the CFRC Sports Desk. This is Jesse Bell signing off and throwing it over to my main man, Chancellor, for your community update. Thank you, good afternoon, and welcome to CFRC's Community Update, your source for news and events happening around Kingston, Ontario. First up, the community harvest markets are set to return this year, and we couldn't be more excited. These markets have been running since 2013 and provided an option for affordable, locally grown produce in three different locations in the city. This year, they're even adding a third location on the West End after hearing that part of the city is a bit underserved. The market adopts a pay-what-you-can model on a sliding scale from $0 to $5, trying to ensure that anyone who wants access to locally grown produce isn't restricted by the cost. The markets will be held every Tuesday from 3 to 6 p.m. at Kingston Community Health Centers on Weller Ave, every Thursday at the Calvin Park Library Branch from 3 to 6 p.m., and both Tuesday and Thursday behind Center 70 on Days Road from 3 to 6 p.m. The first markets will be held on June 13th, and they will run on a weekly basis through October 12th. Don't miss out on this opportunity to support local farmers and get your hands on some delicious, fresh produce. Next, mark your calendars for the 15th annual Sandy Pines Wildlife Center Baby Shower, happening Sunday, May 14th from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. This fundraiser and open house promises a family-friendly environment where guests can tour the state-of-the-art clinic and aquatic center, watch baby animal feeding demos, and explore informative displays about the animals Sandy Pines Wildlife Center cares for. Admission is free, and bringing a gift from the wish list found on sandypineswildlife.org would be much appreciated. The Baby Shower Fundraiser is one of their most important events. It's not only a great fundraiser, but it's also the only time they open their doors to the public to give them an insight into the work they do for wild animals. Featuring live musical performances from local musicians rubbing elbows, a silent auction with a variety of great items to bid on, and an all-day barbecue and canteen, this event promises to be a great day out for the whole family. On June 10th, Victoria Park will come alive with the first annual Spiking Back charity event. Organized by Patriot Inc. Developments, this event aims to support the Kingston Street Mission, a nonprofit organization that provides shelter, refreshments, and essential supplies to the homeless. By participating in the Spiking Back charity event, you can show your team athleticism, win Metro gift cards, and most importantly, make a difference in the lives of those served by the Kingston Street Mission. If you're unable to attend, you can still contribute by donating to their GoFundMe campaign. Let's come together as a community and support this noble cause. And get ready for a night of blues, food, and giving back. Choose the Blues Productions proudly presents the inaugural Thousand Islands Blues Cruise, a three-hour evening cruise through the stunning Thousand Islands aboard the iconic Island Queen. On June 20th, join us for a deluxe buffet dinner and an electrifying performance by boogie-woogie piano legend Kenny Blues Boss Wayne and his band. Proceeds from this event will support the Kingston Food Bank, so you'll be dancing for a great cause. Rain or shine, the Island Queen's enclosed decks ensure everyone's comfort, while the upper deck offers breathtaking views. Boarding begins at 6 p.m. at 1 Brock Street, downtown Kingston. Don't miss out on this unforgettable night. Get your tickets for $200 and HST, which includes the cruise, dinner, show, door prizes, and the donation. 
Visit www.choosetheblues.ca for more information and to purchase tickets. Book early as capacity is limited. The deadline for dinner reservations is June 5th. The Thousand Islands Blues Cruise is proudly supported by Downtown Kingston, the Limestone City Blues Festival, Kingston Blues Society, Kingston Thousand Island Cruises, Perth Brewery, and Rose Hall Run Winery. This event is produced by Choose the Blues Productions, renowned for the Blues on Rideau fundraiser series at the Cove Inn in Westport for the past 17 years. And attention Kingston residents, May is Building Safety Month. The City of Kingston is here to help you ensure the safety and legality of your secondary suites. Join us for a free plan review session at the InVista Center on June 9th from 1 to 4 p.m. Get personalized advice and learn the steps to create a safe and legal secondary suite. For more information, visit the City of Kingston's social media accounts and submit building permit applications through building permits at cityofkingston.ca. Let's build safer communities together. That's all for now. Over to Christina Laurie with the Campus News. Thank you, Chancellor. This is Christina coming in with your Campus News. Queens is hosting various workshops, seminars, and events in the coming week. For all of these events, you can find registration links and more information at queensu.ca slash events calendar. To start off, Safe Talk Suicide Alertness for Everyone. This session prepares participants to recognize who is having thoughts of suicide by applying the talk steps. Talk, ask, listen, keep safe. And connect them to a suicide first aid intervention caregiver. Powerful videos illustrate the importance of suicide alertness, while discussion and practice simulate learning. All participants must attend the three hours to receive their certificate of completion. Participants will also receive program materials, including a workbook. The cost is $15 for students and $25 for staff and faculty. This is an in-person event and location will be sent upon registration. Once again, that's on Tuesday, May 16th from 1 to 4 p.m. Next week on Wednesday, May 17th from 10 to 11.30 a.m. is the Ontario 3-Minute Thesis Competition. This is at the Isabel Bader Center for the Performing Arts in the Performance Hall. Come support Elzara Majed, PhD in Kinesiology and Health Sciences, as she represents Queen's at the Ontario 3-Minute Thesis Competition. 13 Ontario universities will be competing in this annual event hosted by Queen's this year. As for approaching deadlines for Queen's summer students, this Saturday, May 13th, is the last date to drop summer term classes for the May to July session with full tuition fee credit. That is all for your campus news update this week, and next up is Dinah Jansen with the weather. Thanks so much. And now it's time for the CFRC weather report. Tonight, we'll have clear skies and a low plus eight on Thursday. We'll see sunny skies with winds becoming south at 20 kilometers an hour in the afternoon and a high of 23 and cloudy periods at night with a low of 11. On Friday, we'll see a mix of sun and cloud with a 30% chance of showers and a high of 23 cloudy periods and a low of 11 at night. On Saturday, the outlook is a mix of sun and cloud and a high of 20 with cloudy periods at night and a low plus five and on Sunday a mix of sun and cloud with a high of 18 and cloudy periods that evening with a low plus five and now it's time for the city of Kingston traffic report 
Motorists, cyclists, and pedestrians can expect road closures at Dunkirk Avenue from Alfred to Fergus, Gore Street from Ontario to King, Lower Brewers Spring Bridge, Market Street from King to Ontario, Queen Street from King to Ontario, University Avenue from Union to Earl, and Wright Crescent, south intersection of Palace to 16 Palace Road. The School Streets Initiative is still in effect on McDonnell Street from Earl to Hill and Sydenham Street from Ordnance to Colburn from 8.40 a.m. to 9.10 a.m. and 3.20 p.m. to 3.50 p.m. weekdays until the end of June. The Play Street Initiative is also in effect on Thomas Street from County to Patrick, 3.30 to 5.30 p.m. on Mondays until August 28th. There is a parking disruption still underway at the Chan Memorial parking structure. There is alternative parking available at the Hanson Memorial and Robert Bruce Memorial parking garages in the two adjacent blocks to the east. And motorists can also expect other delays at Highway 33 east of Collins Creek Bridge to west of Coronation Boulevard, Jackson Mills Road to Burbrook Road, McKnight Road, Patterson Road, Woodbine, Woodburn, Purdy's Mill, and Flanagan Road are also all under construction until May 12th, while a contractor completes asphalt padding in preparation for surface treatment on these roads. Sand Hill Road from the boundary to 3058 Sand Hill and Taylor Kid Boulevard from Collins Bay to west of the Collins Creek Bridge. And the Rideau Trail from Queen Mary to Parkway is closed for crews to replace the sanitary mains, install shoring, and build a new gravel pathway. And now over to Lauren for what's coming up in local events. Thank you, Dinah. Here's what's going on this week in Kingston. A tenant community meeting will be held at the Extend a Family venue organized by the Social Planning Council of Kingston and District tonight from 6 to 8 p.m. The event will be a conversation for tenants and advocates in Kingston to share knowledge, resources, and collaborate on strategies to prevent displacement and eviction. This event includes a dinner and attendance is free, but you must RSVP through the link on sbckingstonanddistrict.org. On Thursday, May 11th, stop in to the Isabel Turner branch of the Kingston Frontenac Public Library between 1 to 3 p.m. for a genealogy drop-in session. Part of a series of dates running from now until May 25th, genealogy drop-ins are available to amateur genealogists to drop by and work on their family trees in the Cataraqui Room, with the assistance of Anne Hall, local history librarian. There is no need to register in advance, and participants are encouraged to bring a laptop or tablet where possible, and to call ahead if they are interested in any specialized research help. And looking forward to the weekend, Science Rendezvous Kingston will be popping up in the Leon Center from 10 to 3 on Saturday the 13th. This family event is put on by local STEM experts in Queen's University and will feature booths centered around this year's theme, Create, including chemistry magic shows, readings from Canadian authors, demonstrations by Kingston Fire and Rescue, and a sensory-friendly science zone. Admission is free, so be sure to check it out. Kingston Botanical Market will take place on the second floor of the Tet Rehearsal Hall on May 13th from 10 to 3. Stone City Tropicals will be presenting this all-ages event selling rare and tropical plants and other botanical goods. Admission is by donation at the door and proceeds will go to Parker's Warriors. Visit tetcenter.org for more information on the cause and the event. 
Also this and every Saturday at Breakwater Park at 9am is Park Run, a free timed 5km run. Participants are asked to register ahead of time on parkrun.ca slash breakwater and bring along their scannable barcode in order to receive their time at the end of the run. Also be sure to stick around at the end to grab a post-run coffee with the group at Juniper Cafe. Visit their website for more information if you're looking to start the weekend moving. Domino Theatre's production of Hilda's Yard by Canadian playwright Norm Foster is now in its final week, closing on May 13th. Tickets are $20 for adults, $16 for seniors and members, and $10 for children and students. They are available through the Kingston Grand Box Office at 613-530-2050 online at kingstongrand.ca or at the door. Visit dominotheater.com for show details. Now let's hear from Chance with your weekly invitation. Today's CFRC update is to check out a brand new program at the station airing every Monday at 9 p.m called What in the World, a world music program presented by John and Naz, who are excited to share with you the world of world music. Thank you for tuning in to CFRC's local news programming. To revisit episodes of Today in YGK and hear more from some of our guests, be sure to head to our podcast network at podcast.cfrc.ca. Be sure to stay tuned for more CFRC programming coming up next. Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples and brought to you by the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science.